right, boys and girls, episode 92 with Alan Cosgrove is about to start, and this one is just plain awesome. With his legendary base of knowledge, we get into a lot of fitness, marketing, business building strategies, and also his predictions for the future of training. And I'm also going to link up all of his books because we do mention what he wrote in the past couple years. So if you were interested in purchasing any of the Cosgrove's books, I'm going to link them to the show notes. And let's just get right into it as this episode contains a lot of great information. So here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is a legend, Alan Cosgrove. Say hello. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, so I like to always break the ice for the audience and ask my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? Uh, this weekend, we have a team uh, competing in a local Spartan race. Nice. Um, the ob- obstacle course racing uh, event. So I've got two people in the elite division on Saturday, a few in the competitive, and the rest of the team are in the open division on Sunday. And, of course, there's the Manchester United-Manchester City game <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Awesome. So are you going to be doing the Spartan race yourself too? No, we have a sort of philosophy that we don't know. We don't have a coach compete on the same day. So okay. there's, there's a never... Um, just so, so it's not about you, it's about the client, right? mm-hmm. it's about the athlete. So uh, um, Sawyer is the head of the OCR uh, obstacle course racing team at uh, Results Fitness, and she's actually competing in the elite division. So I'll be coaching on uh, uh, to allow her to race. Awesome. Uh, and I'll do. I've done a, a stadium uh, race. I've never, I've never done like an actual outdoor one, uh, just because of how the, the schedules work. I've done a stadium race at Dodger Stadium, which is it's just like a big workout, really. It wasn't really like, I, I don't, I, I, the attraction's huge. These, the sport's huge. One of the biggest things I've seen in terms of growth, I, it just really doesn't appeal to me very much, which is, I find quite interesting. I mean, that's the stuff that, that makes me, that's the stuff that keeps me up at night, like wondering what, what makes people, people, I have a theory that it's about, and there's a, a documentary on it called Rise of the Sufferfests. It's really about, you know, people putting themselves through some stuff, you yeah. know, and for a challenge and, I think uh, I've been through enough, <laughs> so that stuff doesn't appeal to me anymore. Awesome. Yeah, like, I remember when the Tough Mudder came out to my city, and everyone was, like, so excited to go try this thing, and we had it at Whistler, where we had the Olympics back in 2010, I think, mm-hmm. and they did it over a span of two days, and I think they had 10,000 people in Whistler Village, and it's, like, a small little place, and... Like, there were so many people, because I was, like, kind of interested to see what it is. But the interesting thing, like, how people want themselves to suffer is, like, at the very end, you run through, like, the electrical wires, and you, like, yeah. get zapped to make to the finish line, and people are just, like, falling into the mud. I'm like, how is this a thing? So that, that one's the strangest one to me. I can, I can understand the Spartan race, because I can prepare you for it. Yeah. Because it's a physical challenge. But I can't prepare you for electric shocks and I think one of them is like like a mild tear gas or a, an ice pit like I can't like I can't prepare you for that that's just about suffering and I don't really understand that one at all but yeah. there, hey, there's no I used to kick and punch my friends as hard as I could for fun right doing taekwondo so I mean that's that's odd enough as it is yeah uh, so also for the audience could you tell them who you are what you do and how did you first get into this industry uh, my name is Alan Corsgrove. I am the co-owner of Results Fitness in Santa Clara, California. Uh, I have been I started in this industry technically 1986 when I was teaching Taekwondo under my instructor, uh, and I was probably full time as a trainer. In nine, I went part time as a trainer after that, and then I went full time in 1995 when I finished college. My I got into the industry. For purely selfish reasons, I wanted to become a, a better taekwondo athlete. I wanted to compete at a higher level and, and win more fights. So uh, with the understanding that, that everybody knows at the level I was at, everybody knows taekwondo, right? If you look at boxing as a fantastic example, yeah. there's only a couple of punches, you know? 
like yeah, yeah. Floyd, Floyd Mayweather jab cross hook up or cut he does the yeah. same punches as everybody else yet he he's able to deliver them in, in a method that I mean like I said Conor McGregor knows those punches too but he, he wasn't really competitive whatsoever in that match that, that shows you the difference that it's really about athleticism so I went to college to study uh, sports science to become a better athlete now while I was there I did a class on really health and general fitness and it was about fat loss and at the time, I was not really interested in that. I was interested in training athletes and really training myself. Uh, but I did that, and I got an A in the paper, in the, in the class. And I gave my mum the program. My mum was overweight. And I gave my mum the program. And really, uh, after following that program, uh, there was really no weight loss. And about a year later, she died of a heart attack due to obesity. Yes. So at that point, I became more... And I mean, it's... A, the, the phrase I use is it got an A in the academic world, but it failed in reality. That's an F, right? It doesn't work. This is what, what the collegiate and medical world told me would work doesn't work. So at that point, I became more interested in general fitness. Um, I've, I've worked with a lot of athletes over the time, but, but I, I mean, sport's never been better. The Olympics is breaking records. The World Championships in any sport is setting records. Swimming, they're breaking them every race nearly. Uh, I, I feel like America as a whole and North America and, and probably Europe too is in the middle of an obesity epidemic. We're, we're in the worst shape we've ever been in. So my, my interests are more about the general population. And uh, that led me to continuing to, to learn. And I, I went full-time 95, opened Results Fitness uh, early 2000. And then now what I do most of the time is I, I uh, mentor uh, trainers and, and gym owners through our, our second company, which is we call Results Fitness University, uh, which is really why I'm on the speaking tour and the, the places that, that you've seen me. That's the that's the sort of what I do now. Awesome. So I was going to ask you this: Do you think the fitness industry on the whole is failing the general population when it comes to weight loss? Probably not the people listening to this podcast. Are. Yeah. I think <laughs> the people that like, and, and I mean, I don't mean that to be you know, self-serving to, to myself or, or to you, but the, the percentage that actually, there's a gym in town, and I know the guys have never been to a single continuing education thing after their basic certification. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, we go to a Perform Better, which is literally just a few miles from, our, from where we live, and we're the only gym in our area that sends anyone. Right, so the ones that take time out of their day to listen to a podcast instead of listening to talk radio or, or something like that, you know, those guys are probably doing a good job, but uh, you know it's the verdicts in. The masses are are in worse shape than ever, right? So, and they're confused. People are confused because we're fighting each other. Like, and the thing I always say is, I'm not picking on CrossFit, but have you ever seen a bad CrossFit video? You probably have, and I bet it was posted by another fitness professional. Yeah. Because we kill our own industry. We're not supportive of each other. We're, we're too busy infighting. Right, we're not trying to, you know, elevate the standards of our profession. So yeah, yeah, we're like I said, we as as a profession are, are failing it. But the people listening to this podcast, are, you know, you're not you're not to blame for it. But you have to lead. You have to make a difference and, and start, you know, leading from the front. Yeah, and that's why I actually started this podcast a year ago. Is because like, you know, I look up to all these coaches like yourself, and I'm like, this is really good information. And like someone like with my clients. They don't even know who you are. And I'm like, I need to bring more good info compared to some other stuff you see online all the time. And ever mm-hmm. since I started my podcast, like one cl- my clients didn't even know what a podcast was. And then now they started listening and they're like, oh, you interview really good people. I'm like, I know. This is what I've been telling you for like years. <laughs> so it's kind of cool just, you know, I think that's what coaches should be doing is sharing who they follow with their circle and it just kind of keeps growing like kind of like the domino effect and hopefully that kind of makes a you know a gash into the industry i I agree with with the caveat that uh my my members my clients are are uninterested in in fitness celebrities they're not fans of fitness or, or the fitness profession they're not reading physiology textbooks they just want me to tell them what to do so it's similar to when i go to a doctor i don't i don't care what doctors he's studying i just care that he can get me the result so i think it matters for us and other trainers but i don't think our our clients um 
they're putting their faith in you to, to get that information. That's why they pay you, so they don't have to, you know? Yeah. Quick and easy information. Um, the next thing I wanted to get into is, like, you know, you've built this amazing gym, and I'm kind of curious to see, you know, what's kind of the next step for you. Like, are you going to just focus on the results, fitness, university, or do you have any other projects that you're going to kind of get into, maybe open another facility? Like, what's kind of the next thing for you now? I don't think the world needs more gyms. Uh, there's, there's gyms all over the place, right? There's, there's CrossFit boxes in every corner. There's athletic clubs. There's YMCA's everywhere. It needs better people in, in the gyms, right? It needs better staff, better mm-hmm. coaching. And I think that's perhaps my calling um, is to reach the trainer and help them help people. So that's really the, the mission of Results Fitness University is to elevate the standards of the profession. Like I don't, I don't see. I've got about a hundred, a hundred people in my coaching group right now, and or a, and maybe a hundred, maybe less than that, but a hundred facilities because some own several facilities, and that's my driving force is to to take that to a, a higher level and and mentor young trainers and coaches and gym owners to just like if I told you that you know my friend from Scotland's coming over to the next Perform Better seminar and he's the the number one trainer in Edinburgh. You, you have a sort of visual in your head of what that might look like. Mm-hmm. But if I told you he's the number one heart surgeon in the United Kingdom, then you have a entire other level of success in your head. And I'd venture to guess that the, the heart surgeon you'd, you'd see as a higher level of success in the trainer, yet the trainer could put the heart surgeon out of work because that's the skill set we have. We could prevent that. And the, the personal trainer should be more successful and more highly valued than any heart surgeon or anyone who fixes broken. Because all the talk in the United States in the last, you know, a couple of presidential cycles has been about healthcare. It's got nothing to do with healthcare. It's to do with sick care. It only kicks in when people are sick. Healthcare is what we do. So my sort of vision is to take take that personal trainer, that fitness coach, whatever term we want to use, and really elevate the standards so that you think of them as this high-level expert, this person who's on your team that's, that's the most successful person you've ever heard of beyond what, what a heart surgeon or a plastic surgeon may be, you know? I think that's what we need. And so Results Finish University is what I, I focus my, uh, my energies on, and it's what, what mo- most excites me also. Okay. So this might be like more of a marketing question, but how are you reaching the newer coaches that are just getting into the industry and kind of gearing them towards to kind of fall into Results Fitness University? Uh, it's funny. It's the easiest way to do that is I, I don't target the people that, it sounds weird, the people that need help. Okay. I, target the, I target the high performers. Right? I target the people who are doing good stuff, and I'm going to help them to get to a higher level. Right, because the, the, that that's the that's the stuff that excites me is to take the you know the the good trainer doing good stuff and make them elite, make them exceptional. Right, that it, it's hard to reach the entry level trainer. They don't even know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Right, they don't even know where to start. But the, the there's the, there's a good number of trainers on, for example, the Perform Better Tour, or that come to my events or. You know, there's 20,000 on my, my Facebook page, uh, etc. 20,000 on my Twitter page. That's where I, I, I reach them. So I look for higher performers. And I in, it's, that's the idea is that I don't want Results Fitness University to be like a national certification. Like, I don't want it to have 30,000 people. I want it to be to be the elite. I want it to be, you know, vel- velvet, not velvet rope that'll keep people out, but I want it to be the, the elite, like the black belts of the industry, the black belt, fourth down black belts, like the, nice. the high level guys. And uh, then if I can help them, they can help their staff and they can help their clients. And if we, with a focused effort, we can change the world. Awesome. Small, small goals. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for those who don't know what Results uh, Fitness University is, could you kind of tell the audience like how it works and how it kind of looks like and how it's structured? So there's a, a few levels to it. At, at the highest level, it's uh, and my, my sort of VIP level. Uh, they're, they're the guys that get access to me uh, whenever they want. We have a private website, a private Facebook group. We do consulting calls as a, as a team once a month. They do private calls with me. 
uh, monthly. We give them everything that we do at Results Fitness from our operations, our sales manual, our phone scripts, our tours, our nutrition programs, to our, our program design, our group classes, like everything we do. So it's as close to a franchise as you can get without the legalities of a franchise, which gets a little kind of kind of icky. You know, it's more close, closer to licensing. I don't even like using that term if I'm if I'm being you know, quite yeah. honest. Um, so it's really a bit like a high-level mentoring program. Uh, at lower levels, uh, you know, we have seminars and stuff that, that we put on that people can attend to, and we have at resultsfitnessuniversity.com with a bunch of educational resources that are aimed at the, the fitness professional. So that's how it, like, it's a, a top-down approach. It's, well, I should say it's a bottom-up approach that... Uh, I think that a lot of people look at a company as like the customers at the bottom, then there's the staff, and at the top, there's the CEO. Well, it results fitness in an RFU. We invert that, that I look after my key managers at Results Fitness, and they look after our team, and they look after our clients. I just take care of my guys. They take care of their guys. And that's the, the vision for RFU, is that I take care of the the VIP group, and we're, we're going to roll something out on a on a bigger level, like a, you know, a lower investment um Type of program, you know, it, it it's a, a something that I, I want. I want to make it, like I said, bigger. But also, there's this balance, right? You want to grow it, but I also I don't want to turn into just a, you know, a certification or a affiliation that just waters it down and, and loses your quality. Is it? It sounds, you know, kind of facetious, but it's it's a. I'd rather work with a small group of people and do amazing stuff than work with a large group of people and not not make an impact. What's your opinion about, because I've seen some coaches do this where, you know, they build a big following and then they create their own certification and then they sell that certification to the, their following. Like, what's your opinion about that kind of business model? I, I don't really pay attention to what other okay. people are doing, to be, to be <laughs> honest. Um, the certification is a, just a term for certificate of completion. That's where the word came from. So while, while in the past, you, you went, to, for example, you went to Perform Better, uh, who are a fantastic organization, and at the end of that, you get a certificate that says you were there, but it doesn't test whether you listened, right? Mm-hmm. So all really a certification is is some formalized test where I or the head of certification asks you a few questions to show your competency, right? That, that's all it is. And I really, I don't have any any problem with that. I, I can see, like, I can see why, uh, like, example, if you came out to one of our mentorships and you went through it and then you went back to your gym and you just didn't change a thing and you were doing crappy programming and crappy business practices, I don't want you saying that you attended my mentorship when you're not doing what I ask. Yeah. Right or what I suggest, so I could see it as a as a, a method of, of quality control. Uh, there is, there's always like a, a pendulum reaction to this stuff. That for the longest time there was no certifications. You just went to courses. Uh, when I first started, the only courses were certifications. Right, I had I ended up with like 17 personal trainer certifications because that was the only courses available. Right, you went and you took a test, and then there was none. Like NSC national conferences perform better as different different levels of stuff where there was no test. Now it's swung back again when there's and there's some excellent courses and certifications out there. DBRT, uh, Mike Boyle, CFSC set, they're all all really excellent. And it'll swing back again to people seem to be getting mad at certifications for some reason. <laughs> right? I just the, the term it stands for certificate of completion. If I went like it's. If I went to taekwondo lessons for years and I just said I'm a black belt, but no one ever tested my ability, that wouldn't stand up. Right? Yeah. A black belt's a certification. It's a demonstration of competency. So I think where it gets a little sketchy is I see some of the, and I understand why they do it, but I see some of the certificates all have this fitness test with a coach. And uh, I, I understand it, but I'm also like, it, that's nothing to do with coaching. That's to do with your own personal fitness level, right? That I can tell you at 19, I was at the European Taekwondo Championships winning medals and knocking guys on their ass. And, it, uh, you know, 10 years, 10, 12 years later, I was in a hospital bed fighting cancer. And that guy couldn't be anybody. That guy couldn't do a push-up. And that guy was a way better trainer than the first guy. Right? Yeah. So it's an extreme example, but I think it's a good one. So that, that stuff I always think is... It's strange to me. Now, I think you should be able to demonstrate exercise. Like if you can't do a single chin-up, 
you know, being injury free, then I think uh, you should you should do some work. But I think it's just that pendulum of a. Uh, you know, it'll go away. People will have a backlash against certifications, and they'll they'll disappear, and then they'll come back. But I, I sort of have a a philosophy that I, I, I don't really react to what anybody else is doing. I force them to react to what I'm doing, right? It's like running a running a race. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna react to the competition. I'm gonna make them react to me. Like I'm gonna lead. So sort of like a make makes life very simple when I think like that. No, you're right. And like, I've asked this question a couple of times to other successful coaches in the industry. And I, when I ask him, like, oh, what do you think of this thing that's happening in our industry? And he's like, well, I'm not really paying attention to it because I'm more focused on what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, now there's a trend now. So I kind of see that because I think a lot of coaches kind of, you know, their attentions are everywhere and they're like, I should be doing this. Wait, I should be doing that when they should just really focus on what they're good at. Just- I think that's the, the nature of, of the world today is that I know when I was in, in college, uh, the acquiring information was difficult. Like I can, I did my thesis and uh, my, my dissertation in 1995 on creatine monohydrate, which was a hot new supplement at the time. And I had to take a bus to a bigger college to go to their library to find journals that had mentioned the word in it to read the journal to see if it was relevant to what I was doing, then photocopy the journal article, <laughs> then take it back and read it and make notes and con- consume that information and try to translate it. Now, if you put that into Google, there's more information. If you put the phrase creatine monohydrate into Google, there's more information than you could possibly read in your lifetime. Even if you put it into like a, a, a medical database, there's more information than you could consume in a lifetime. So the young trainers' uh, challenge now is this ability to ignore and filter information. My challenge was to find it. I had to seek guys out and try to get information. A young trainer now has to decide who to ignore. And it, that doesn't mean in a bad way. Like at some level, you have to put a filter because you cannot read everybody, right? There's, there's 45 guys on uh, the Perform Better Tour. If you studied uh, each one an hour a week, you lost your week. You don't get anything done. Yeah. So you've got to decide who I'm, I'm, I'm going to not listen to some people or I'm going to listen to this guy completely intensely. Like say you decide to to like work work with me, um, you you should just go on a, media, a fitness fast for anything else for a while and learn everything that I, I have to offer. And then it, you can continue to work with me or you can move and you work with another coach or work under someone else. But it's almost, I think there's a, because of that, uh, we're in a distraction-based society that when people are overwhelmed, they seek distraction. And we tend to not have an educational curriculum. Like I see young trainers who are really excited about learning and they just take a bunch of entry-level certifications and a bunch of entry-level seminars and they go to perform better and listen to a bunch of guys for an hour. They never go deep, right? It's like you get your yellow belt in 42 different martial arts, but you've never got your black belt in a single one. So I think there's this ability to, you know, to develop, like, what do you have to learn? What, what, what's your weakness right now? Uh, I see young trainers on this collection of exercises, like they just want to collect more exercises for their toolbox, but they can't even coach the ones that they're doing sometimes, or they're not they're not making money. They don't have a business model, so it's really identifying where you are. So there is a tendency for I'd say guys higher up, uh, they're focusing on very few things, so they don't they don't notice a, a lot. Not on a level of ignorance, just on a level of absolute focus on the vital few things that are, are the difference makers. Yeah, and I think a lot of coaches, too, kind of fall into, you know, they read way too many training books, and they don't have any books on marketing or sales or anything about management, and then they go to, you know, open up a gym, and they're like, holy crap, like, what am I doing here? (laughs) Or or even communication. If I I was in a room full of trainers, and I asked them what eccentric means, right, they'll all tell me it's about lowering the weight, right? Yep. Because that's what it means in our world. Well, in the real world, it means someone who's a little odd, mm-hmm. right? That guy's a little eccentric. He's a little wacky. That's what the word means, right? Mm-hmm. The word means that. In our little minute world, it means lowering a weight. But that's what we think the world knows, right? Because we're so sort of stuck in our own thing. And, and I think I've touched on this before, is that most trainers 
uh, we, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say most trainers, yeah, most trainers, we're, we're the first trainer that we ever hired. Most of us never hired a trainer before. Most of us never came up under a trainer. Like if you're teaching swimming, you're a swimming instructor most likely. If you're a driving instructor, you had a driving instructor. If you're a history teacher, you had a history teacher. We're such a young field is that most trainers never had a trainer. They've never hired a trainer. And they've never learned under another trainer. And we're, we're selling something that we've never even done. We can't even think like a client. And we think it's important that we learn the newest kettlebell complex. Right? <laughs> You've never even been a client. Explain to me what it's like to hire someone and put your, your whole trust in them to guide you and solve your problems. Uh, when as a young trainer, you never have. You know more. You know, I, I know my body, all that stuff, right? That, so I think that's, that, that's sort of how it, it goes, is that because we're such a young field, we don't have this uh, lineage where you come up under another coach who's teaching you stuff, right? Or have you, you've hired a trainer to help you get in shape. Right? Most coaches have never done that. So we're in this whole world where we're just, everyone's kind of trying to figure it out on their own, right? So you're, yeah, you, you learn exercises and you, you know training, but you've never actually understood client psychology because you've never been one. You never understood coaching cues or communication. And God knows you don't understand business or, or finances, right? You're just hoping your, your knowledge of, of different muscle groups and your ability to count reps is going to get you through, you know, to a six-figure business. Well, that's a good point that you brought up because it's like there's a, most people who become a trainer are, you know, ex-athletes that didn't make the pros and they're like, oh, I guess I can train people. And then they have this idea in their head that they're going to train athletes, but then they're at, you know, the local gym training Sally Sue. And now this person has to connect to this individual and like you said, like, you know, they've never been through the process of being a client before. So I think the way I want to structure this question is, like, do you think a coach who was overweight, for example, lost all the weight and went through the process, do you think they would have an advantage making another person successful in the same journey, whereas the coach who's been fit the entire life and played high-level sports might not be able to, you know, match up? Uh as a generality, I would say absolutely, mm -hmm. with the exception being like everyone's going to respond to slightly different things that perhaps you did it just through sheer force of will, you know, hours of aerobics and barely eating anything and, and you lost the weight. And maybe the high level athlete has a, overcome challenges where they weren't making it and they, they did something. And the, the higher level athlete often has a knowledge of working with a coach and putting your faith in someone else, right? So that's an advantage. And if the, the trainer that's overweight uh, did it all themselves, they still never hired a coach. They don't understand that client psychology. So I would say a, a person who was overweight and hired a trainer and lost the weight through smart exercise, good nutrition and excellent social support, and then decides to become a trainer has an absolute advantage over the, the guy or girl that's been ripped 24-7 and eats what they want, you know? Yeah. But there are exceptions. There are high-level high level athletes that uh, um, they, they've, been, they've been talented, or they've, but they've worked, and they've worked under a coach with guidance that that can help them too. So uh, it's kind of a cop-out. There's exceptions to everything, but as a generality, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. Yeah, like... The other thing, too, is like how important do you think is developing empathy for your clients? I think it, it's perhaps the single most important skill, and it's not taught in any certification, no. right? Yeah. It's that understanding that, like, I can write a diet or a training program that you couldn't do, Rafa, right? Like, I can tell you that you've got to get up at 3 in the morning, and I want you to cook fresh trout, 3 ounces, <laughs> And, and eat it with a, it's the magical anabolic exercise and you're going to make it with a freshly made uh, garlic puree, right? And you're going to eat that at three in the morning and again at six. And you're like, that's just out of the question. That's too hard for me to do, right? It, but for some clients, starting the morning with any food sounds as absurd. You yeah. know, you got to meet them where they're at. That, that we've probably spent, like I, I tell this joke at the, on the, the PB tour, the Perform Better tour, 
But most trainers, when they check into a hotel and they find out it has a gym, the next thing they do before they go out and check the neighborhood is they go and look at the gym. Yeah. And they're excited that it has fucking dumbbells, you know? <laughs> they're like, this has got to be a great vacation. And a normal client doesn't think like that. We don't think like the client. So it, it becomes a, a this sort of a idea that we, we can't think, we don't have the client mindset. And the phrase I use is if you can see uh, Jane Smith through Jane Smith's eyes, you can sell Jane Smith what Jane Smith buys. You have to think like a client. And that empathy is important because just as I could write a training program that will break you and a diet that you couldn't follow and a supplement regime that would be too expensive and, and just too time consuming, sometimes our simplest piece of advice like I want you to drink four cups of water is as equally overwhelming for the client where they're at. And we can't understand it. Like we're just like, why can't you just, you know, give up the carbs? Why are you having a bottle of wine at night? What's the deal? Like why like we can't understand that. But when you start to understand that, that's the magic. Some of the most effective trainers I've ever met, it's not their exercise physiology knowledge, right? It's their connection. It's a connection to the client. And they're understanding how, how the client mindset works that, that makes all the difference. So 100%, it, it might be the secret weapon. Yeah, because like I was, trying, I was just talking to another client about this and um, they're just kind of, kind of complaining about how tough it is to lose weight. And I'm like, I totally understand. And the, like, if you had to compare a coach to a client, like a coach wakes up in the morning and they're like, fuck yeah, I get to deadlift heavy today. And then a client yeah. wakes up and they're like, oh, shit, I have the gym today. But then when they get to the gym, if the coach is, you know, half decent, they make that hour tolerable. And then at the end of it, they're like, okay, that wasn't too bad. And you kind of repeat yeah. the cycle over and over again. And they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, coaches are not normal people. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not normal people. Like, uh, uh, listeners, while you're listening to this, I want you to picture... That time that you did a heavy workout, you did heavy front squats, you did deep rear foot elevated split squats, you did drop sets, you crushed the lower body and you finished with sled pushes. Two days later, you could barely get down the stairs because your legs hurt so much. And most of you listening to that right now have a little smile on your face remembering that workout. That's not what clients are excited about. Yeah. We're not normal. We're like, oh my God, I can hardly bend my legs. Hashtag beast mode, right? I'm cr crushing that, right? A client doesn't think like that. Our goal is to meet the client where they're at and to be, at the, the slogan at Results Fitness is to be the best part of our members' day every day. I want to go from that dreading the gym to the high point of their day where I'm the part they look forward to, right? Because it's the one part where, like, a, I make a joke about, like, a, you know, we don't train to failure at Results Fitness. We train to success, Right? I want the client leaving. If a client misses a rep, like I have a philosophy, if, if you miss a rep because it's too heavy, we lighten the weight and we get two clean reps before we finish off. We don't leave on a missed rep. We don't finish a set on a missed rep. We finish always on success. And that's sort of my, my uh, philosophy on, on life is that we finish on success. So my goal is to take them from, from dreading it uh, to it being the high point. So would you like disagree with like the idea that someone has to fail in order to succeed then? I think they have to go to their limits. I think they have okay. to push. But I think the, what's the fear? The, the fear is the, the problem is not reaching too high and, and failing. It's reaching too short and succeeding, right? And never really, really going for it. So uh, I, I don't think we have to, to fail. I think we just have to, to work like, uh, you know, there's... Usain Bolt ever miss 100 meters? Yeah. Does Michael Phelps ever not finish the lap? Like, that's the, like, they might not always do a PR, but they complete the task assigned to them. And I think that's the difference between elite coaching and, and, and poor coaching. So, yeah, there's lessons to be learned. And, and I mean, it's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. Right? No, no, no challenges. No, there's no growth. But that doesn't mean we should be continually falling short. Okay, fair enough. Um, I kind of wanted to go back to kind of like the business questions because sure. you know you kind of built this like amazing team at Results Fitness, and I was kind of wondering like what are some characteristics that you look out for for hiring somebody to be you know a great addition to your team to make sure everything's working and nothing falls apart. So it starts with your own core values. 
and you can probably Google results fitness core values because they're they're all over the internet and I've got a bunch of people uh, copying them, which I think is awesome. Like I'm not <laughs> not against that at all. Like, but uh, it starts with it. There's things that are certain like Im- important to you. Like is is a uh, you know being on time for work super important to you? Is always bringing having a good day important to you? Uh, do you make fitness fun? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of make it lighthearted and I have a good time coaching people. And if you've been in my perform better, uh, hands on, you know, I, I like to joke around, but it's effective training. I don't make fun of it. I have fun with it. But there's other guys in, in the industry that I respect who take it very seriously and, and they don't joke around. So it's really what's important to you. So we sort of sat down and established what my core values were on on things I want. And for example, one of mine is we should have fun and a sense of humor with everything that we do. And so I look for people that have this, the core values that I want my company to have. Now, it starts with just you, right? If you're just doing it yourself, it's your core values. But the next hire has to have the same core values, right? And if you can get people of that like-minded stuff together, you can do amazing stuff. I can teach you anything. I learned it all. Like, I, I was a kid who knew nothing about martial arts and you know, won medals at, at national and international level. I was a kid who knew nothing about training and runs one of the most successful gyms in the country. I was a guy who knew nothing about business who went on to become financially successful. I can teach all of that, but I cannot give you passion. I cannot give you work ethic. Like I cannot create those core values that will make you fit in my organization. So I hire exclusively based on core values. It's a, a, a term from Southwest Airlines that I heard once, which is hire for attitude and train for skill. We can train anything. If you went to school, you learned to read, you learned to add up numbers, you've learned to drive, you can learn anything. If you can read, you can learn anything that anyone's ever learned, right? But it starts with your, your core values and, you know, your, are, are you a team player? Are you a lone wolf or are you a team player? Right, lone wolves won't survive very long in my organisation because we're a team. Right, we are be we, not me. That's one of our our, our team mm-hmm. sort of mottos, our core values. So it starts there when you're building a team. It starts with the things that are important to you, which are really not how many chin-ups someone can do. Right, it's usually what kind of person is this? This is an honest person. You know, it's you know I ask people like all the time, are you an honest person? The answer is always yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so when's the last time you lied? Because I know you lied. Right? So if yeah. you're if you're it's a horrible sort of feeling, right? When I've just you've just told me you're honest and I'm asking you when the last time you lied in, which contradicts that first statement you just told me. Yeah. Or or establishes that you didn't you're not an honest person. That makes you squirm. But that's the sort of questions I wanna ask is I can teach, like I said, I can teach you anything. I mean that's the eternal sort of law of the universe is I can teach it. Kids learn how to walk, right? <laughs> learn, yeah. how to, learn how to read, learn how to write, learn how to add up numbers, learn how to drive. We can teach it, but I got I to gotta get that, that, that passion, that work ethic, that core value. And that's how you build a team. It always comes back to that and, and the culture that you have. Okay. The other thing I was going to kind of bring up is this whole like millennial thing because most of my clients are between like the ages of like 40 and 60 and the ones who own their own businesses always complain about their employees that are like between the ages of like 20 and 28 and you know they're like oh they're not you know self-motivated enough they always want to go on vacation they want to make more money but they don't want to put in the work so I'm kind of curious if you've run into any people like that trying to hire into results yeah but it's um it's like uh Training a tall person, mm-hmm. there's certain exercises that don't fit, right? Yeah. Training a short person, there's certain exercises that, that aren't great. It's just a reality. I agree that millennial. I, I think my dad would say that our generation is lazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then so it, it goes down. Like, I'm kind of, I think I'm in, like, I was born in the, in the 70s, so I'm a generation X, I think. So millennials are after me, I, I don't know. They're after me for sure, but I don't know where we fit in. But yeah, there, there's, I know a lot more people who are still at home. Like I was uh, in a different country, you know, and I've got uh, people that have worked for me that have never, you know, left their, the room they grew up in. Uh, 
is it a is it a strength or is it a weakness? Like it's different. That's just the reality. So yeah, I see it. I do see that um, there's a different in work ethic that they tend not to be motivated by money because they don't work on their own. Or they don't live on their own. They don't they don't have to pay their own bills. But that allows you to you know as a gym owner like that, that allows you certain flexibility too, right? You know they're not gonna they're not gonna leave you for a uh, a different job that pays the same that's closer to their house. You know. Like they're yeah. they're not motivated by money, so it, it's it's one of those things that yeah I I see it. Simon Sinek has a good uh, video and mm-hmm. look it up on millennials, which is I think fairly accurate. But I'm just in a kind of uh, you know it's the SWSW SWSW rule, right? Some will, yeah. some won't. So what? Someone's waiting, right? That's that's kind of how my, I think it's a Jack Canfield line. Is that like this is the culture we have at Results Fitness, and if you fit in it. I don't care how old you are, and you have to have a, a work ethic. I've got some millennials that work for me that are absolute superstars, and I've I've got some that are just solid performers that they're they do their job exceedingly well, but they may not uh, move up. They may only be with me for a short while, and that that may not they may not everybody's going to be, you know, the next Mark Verstegen or something like that. You know, yeah. So I I I hear it, and I'm just like, and well. We're not going to force them to do it. My dad did manual labor, right, at a level of activity that that uh, would would have broken me. It's the hardest training program I've ever seen in the world, yeah. you know. Um, it was something that uh, we were looking at the other day. On my, I have an iPhone, and there's a little thing on it called Apple Health. Now, I don't carry my phone everywhere with me, but it tracks the number of steps you take every day. And despite training almost every day, and sometimes twice a day, my actual activity level is quite low, right? That it's couch potato low because I'm mainly talking to people and, you know, desk job and phone calls and computer work for the bulk of my day. My dad's physical job uh, was hard and arguably someone who does that type of physical labor should be paid more than someone like me, right? Yeah. But that's not what happened. So he can make a case that, my generation was lazy and doesn't know what a real hard day's work is, right? So for us, you know, for people who are like, oh, millennials are lazy, well, it's just different, man. Just, okay. You're not, you're not going to change an entire culture or an entire generation. You just have to ad- adapt. We, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't have to worry about social media and your business either, right? There's a, there's yeah. a reality of it. We, VHS was just invented, I think. I don't know, 20 years ago, 40 years ago maybe. VHS was just invented. Then came the DVD, then the Blu-ray. Now it's all just obsolete. Like, so there's, and it will change too. Then maybe the next generation will have a crazy work ethic. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's definitely an observation that I, I would think is correct. But it's um, like a Warren Buffett line about the stock market. The stock market goes up, I make money. If it goes down, I make money. I just adjust. Right, yeah. it doesn't matter what the economy's doing. I'll just adjust. Right? I'll adjust the sales. So if the the workforce is all millennials who want more time off, then then that's how you motivate them, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the carrot. Others are motivated by money and retirement and medical insurance, then that's how you motivate them. So you you just you just adapt. Fair enough. Um, speaking of the kind of the future, I wanted to get into a Facebook question. Um, so Tara asks, I would like to know what he thinks will be the next big trend in personal training. If I could see the future, Tara, I'd be betting on the next Super Bowl winner and the next heavyweight champion of the world and the next big sporting upset. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think the, um, like people talk about online stuff. I think, uh, there's two schools of thought. One is that online training is awesome, and one is that it's the devil, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm as usual, somewhere in the middle that an in-person trainer is superior to anything else. But having written a bunch of books that sell pretty well, then an online trainer who can adjust stuff in real time and tweak it for you is vastly superior to my books, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the the idea. So there's something there. I think that delivery systems is how things will change. I think the supervising of the session is dying. I think the coaching model where you will maybe work with me perhaps once a month and I design the plan for you is going to be the future, right? That, that's in the, the very short term. Uh, in terms of 
of that. So that will look like perhaps you join Results Fitness and you meet with me the first Monday of the month. And we measure you, we assess you, we design your next phase of the program. I teach you anything you need to know. And I'll check in with you in two weeks and I'll see you next month. Right? So I'm more of a consultant than counting reps or supervising the session. I think that's going to be the, the higher level stuff. So I, I would think of it as almost like an online trainer, but you actually meet with them occasionally. Right? I think yeah. that will be the, the future of the, the model. I think there's also a going to be a return to a, for want of a better term, a food court system of training where you might join my gym and only take uh, obstacle course racing training. You might train once a week for that and that will have a fee. You may only take our flexibility class. Uh, that may be a move in the future as opposed to this all-access, all-inclusive, all-you-can-eat buffet idea. This will be like an mm -hmm. a la carte right, where you select options. I think we may be, be going to that. Um, as far as technology goes, I think the ability to assess your readiness in real time and adjust the workout before you start warming up, uh, some of the stuff with heart rate variability and omega wave and things like that. That Imagine you show up at the gym and I do some type of assessment and then I'm like, all right, we're good to go. Your workout is on your iPad at the back. You know, and I just push a button and you're, it generates workout A, which is we're going to go hard today, workout B, medium, workout C, uh, light recovery day, right, which will it'll generate, will adjust the program in real time. So I think that's something that we're real close to doing at Results Fitness anyway. So, that, but, so Tara, there's, there's your answer. But uh, I've, like I said, if I had, I had the skills to, I, I predicted about five years ago that the term boot camp would fade out because it was yeah. getting the standard was getting so bad, and then uh, it really hasn't. And I'll, I'll give them a shout. Out. That's because guys like uh, like the Fit Body Bootcamp guys and Bedros Cooley, and they, they did a good job of, of changing that. And it, it doesn't. It's not this crappy trainer pretending to be a soldier in the in the park. It's become a high level company. But that was my prediction. Maybe you know five to ten years ago that that group exercise wouldn't die by that term would, would go away so i was completely wrong there so this may be completely wrong too but as as a student of business and sort of socioeconomics and psychology i can tell you that everything that i know now is wrong and time will prove that to be true <laughs> so i think that will be the the next the next thing and that's sort of the stuff where we're trying to do it at results fitness but uh, the the other part of that, the little disclaimer, is I will adapt to market uh, situations and market demands, and I maybe change my mind on that by the end of today. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's interesting with the whole online training thing. So, like, ever since I got onto a training software for all my clients, and now they basically track their workouts as they're going along in the gym. And the big thing that I like realized is that it was almost more education for them because before I had like an Excel spreadsheet and they're like, hey, here's your T-Rex rows or reverse lunges, blah, blah, blah. And anytime they're like, okay, what do I have next? I'm like, you have rows. They're like, what is that? I'm like, we've been doing this for four weeks. You should know it yeah. by now. But now with the app, they have the little image and the video. They already know the exercises. Yep. And then for the first time ever, when they were on vacation, they would actually, you know, use their app and work out. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then clients started asking, hey, can you add in another day on my phone so I can do it at home? So I'm like, I could probably see, like, down the road, you'll have, like, a hybrid online and offline trainer where, yeah, you see them maybe once a month. And then they're training yeah. at different gyms at their home, at their office, or whatever it is. I think that's exactly what's going on. I mean, I think that the, the knock against online training is you don't meet the client and you don't assess them. Mm -hmm. But it's what I could send my dad a video of an exercise that I can shoot right now on my phone and he can get it in a minute. Right, yeah. without any preparation, like I can send it to Scotland, right? So I can have them, hey, can you do this exercise like this and then take a video and send it back to me? Like it's becoming, like the technology has made that a, a, not as valid a criticism. Now, I, I'm not gonna say that a coach in person and in real time is not better, of course it is. But it's one of these things that like, if I'm the best trainer in the world and you can't, you don't live here, 
is that it? You just you have to settle for someone else. Yeah. Why can't you get access to me? It's. I heard someone. I wrote something once about the foam roller, and I'm like, it's it's like you know, it's it's a massage type tool. Like we do these exercises and roll out the muscles, and you know, I found it very advantageous for my athletes. Someone wrote a critique of my article online, saying. None of that stuff comes close to working with a massage therapist. I'm like, of course not, <laughs> right? But I don't get a massage therapist twice a day, right? But I could do this twice a day, right? So it's it's a for someone who couldn't afford an in-person coach or their schedule doesn't allow that. I think there's we've got technology now that that will will change that. And the cool thing for people uh, who maybe listen to this who are not interested in that is. That means that the people who still want just that personal touch where you uh, are supervising more of the workouts and they do more stuff with you, they're going to pay a, a premium for that, right? So that's the, that's the sort of the flip side of that is that that will allow the in-person training and stuff to become a more, more lucrative career path. And this can even go back to the whole like millennial thing because chatting with my wife's sister who's 22 or 23 she's very into like ordering stuff online and not talking to anybody <laughs> yeah. like very introverted so for someone like that in that age group they'd probably want to go towards an online coach where they can do everything at home and not interact with anybody so it's going to be an interesting shift in the next like five, ten years to see where yeah, everything it, goes. It, it's interesting you talk about that because I I was in um, New York uh, a couple of weeks ago and there's an Amazon bookstore, an actual in-person bookstore mm -hmm. down near right next to the Empire State Building, and I thought that was really interesting. Amazon are aware that the in-person thing is never going to go away, right? Yeah. And my my personal example is if I want something, if I want a shirt. I go online and I order the shirt and it's here tomorrow and I know my size is in it. 99% of the time it fits perfectly, right? But I was in uh, I was in New York actually earlier this year, uh, same place, and I went to buy a shirt for, for something. And when I was in the store, I bought an extra shirt and I bought some socks. You'll never get that online because I go on, yeah. find the thing I want and I just check out with the, the purchase on, in real time will still exist. There's still an advantage with, with in-person things. The key thing is to be like Amazon and just not pick a side, right? Yeah. Like it, it's the, the uh, people asked before, like, you know, I said this at the start, trainers are trying to pick a team. Like, are you a kettlebell guy? Like, a, are you a sandbag guy? Like, what kind of trainer are you? Like, are you a free weights guy? You're an Olympic lifter? Well, why can't you just be a good trainer and use not have to choose? And some of your workout might look like Pilates. Some of it might look like powerlifting. And some of it might look like, you know, kettlebell training or CrossFit. Like your, this mixed modality approach might be, you know, the future you don't have to choose. And I think that's going to be, perhaps the future of business is going to be this multidisciplinary delivery system of how you do things that, yeah, there'll be in-person training. There'll be some type of coaching. I'm, I'm not real. I think I can deliver a lot of business stuff online from communication i like to when i'm working with with clients even when i'm training some of my staff for for different sporting events i like to you know check in for a couple of training sessions so i can watch in real time and, and tweak so i think there's there's always going to be both things but like you said your your sister-in-law is uh your your i don't know if it was your wife or your girlfriend's sister she's gonna she's a different demographic yeah that's gonna something's going to appeal to her very strongly but just as that appeals very strongly to her someone else hates that and doesn't want to just be sitting at their desk anymore typing in their phone anymore and i think the future of, of business is you're just going to recognize that there's different people yeah here here's another one that i was like thinking about is you know there's a lot of online coaches or coaches in general that will like come out with their online product and it's a pdf program to increase your deadlift or whatever it is and you know they'll, they'll sell a bunch of copies and they'll email out that pdf that's 200 pages but then again like how many people are actually going to open it read the entire thing and then implement the program and then i was listening to pat flynn talk about his new project where you know i think it was like every day or every week he emails his you know online clients their workout so then you're like literally waiting 
you know, Monday at 12 p.m. for your workout that you're about to do that day. And if you don't do it, there's some sort of like automation that would be like, hey, you skipped your workout, what the hell's going on? So rather like, it's almost like a PDF program, but kind of the next level. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I think, again, it's, it's too, too dynamics. I don't want to force myself on a, a client and make them miserable, right? Yeah. Like if I sell this deadlift program and you you buy it and you're excited to start it and, and you never open it, uh, I don't think that's my fault, right? Mm-hmm. And then I sometimes you're just something came up and you're just not ready to start it right now. And that's okay too, yeah. right? So I, I meet the client where they're at, but I, I know I do a... I do a fitness business, uh, it's called Fitness Business Mastery, and it's a, it's a three-day course that we recorded, and we break it down into modules. And you have to finish, the, I only released a module, uh, you don't get it all at once, you know, it's trickled out. Yeah. And uh, I'm, my plan is to do do something like that, where I'm like, you, you I'll, I'll answer the questions based on where you're at in any course, but... It's a good use of both of our times to. I know that question you have is coming up next week, and, and I'm teaching it. Right, so I like I like both things. That there's there's clients who are very motivated and just need a good program, right? They want a good yeah. program and guidance. And there's clients who are just they're not motivated and they need someone like to, to check in. Like it's, and I see that with my business coaching is it's sometimes I'm a hard ass that makes you do things, right? And sometimes you're super motivated, but you're just running around like a headless chicken doing the wrong things, right? And I can coach direction there and I can, uh, the other one, like I can give motivation. So that's the, the thing. And I think you'll see that with, with clients too, is that um, if you didn't, you didn't do your workout, I'm going to check in and give you a hard time. Yeah. But on the flip side, I'm like, that's going to alienate some people also, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, how do I reach that guy? How do I help that guy too? I need a different approach, right? Yeah. Um, so last question, because we're already coming up to an hour, and I think this would be kind of cool to ask you, is um, if you had to do a TED Talk that's not related to fitness and health, um, what would it be and why? Uh, probably um, life lessons I learned from being kicked in the face, which is my, <laughs> nice. which is metaphorically some, some life lessons. But I also, I had an amazing mentor, my Taekwondo instructor, Derek Campbell, who taught me a lot about life and business by actually kicking me in the face when he was training me, <laughs> like by, by teaching me teaching me Taekwondo and, and uh, you know, teaching me sparring and how to, how to, how to train and how to, how to fight. Uh, so that would probably be, be my talk. And it, it was things like, uh, you know, I, I can remember, for example, fighting a, a guy that was just an overwhelming beast to fight. He was an Olympic team member. He was a world silver medalist, and he'd beaten me before. And one of the lessons was if we break this down into single exchanges, like in the fight, like a fight's just a series of exchanges, right, mm-hmm. like a series of little things. If you break it down into that, it becomes manageable because I just take one at a time. You chunk it down into small steps. And then that's the same as running a marathon. We do one step and we have one less step till the finish line or a business project. So, so while it was a combat lesson, it applies to life and business too. That I, so I think that would be my, my TED talk. Awesome. Uh, so very last question, where can people find you online? What projects do you have coming out, speaking engagements or anything you can just plug away? All right. Uh, easy way to find me is I have a, I'm on... Instagram, Facebook, uh, it's Alan Cosgrove, all one word. Um, so you can find me both those places. Uh, Instagram is probably the easiest one because in the bio there's a link to a link tree which gives you all my places, my private Facebook group where I'm, I try to be in every day answering questions for, for my guys. ResultsFitnessUniversity.com is, is my company. What I got coming up is I've probably got a, I've got a mentorship coming up early in the new year. Uh, we're going to launch another online course uh, coming up probably January or February. Uh, speaking engagements, I'll have to ask Donna. She'll tell me <laughs> where I'm supposed to be. She, she runs my schedule for me. That's, that's for those of you listening, Donna's uh, basically runs my companies and run, runs my existence. And she's, she's fantastic. Um, so, so that's it. Uh, the best place to interact with me is that my private Facebook group, which... 
you know, it's, it's pretty easy to find. It's called Alan Cosgrove's Fitness Business Private Group or something like that. And uh, I hope to, to talk to some of you guys. If you mention you heard me on this podcast, I'll be uh, sure to give you a warm welcome. Perfect. So thank you so much for all your time. This was amazing. Cheers, man. Hope you enjoyed it. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 92 with Alan Cosgrove. Hopefully you enjoyed it, as did I. And again, check the show notes as I did link some of his books that I personally have and I think every coach should have. And again, I'm going to say this at the end of every episode. Please, please, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Share it on social media just so I can grow this thing as big as possible. And I'm going to continue bringing you the greatest and best fitness, nutrition, and random rants of podcast history. Here we go. And until next time.